You were just like I did at your age. Please don't say that, Dad. I'm 16 years old. I'm not a child. Don't you take that tone of voice with me, young lady. Love you, Dad. I love you too, son. You're listening to Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast. Two friends since first grade, now dads reliving the Disney movies we grew up on with our own kids. I'm Eddie Ferguson. And I'm J.B. Wagner. And on today's show, there's no more pretending we're dinosaurs as we review light and magic. But before that, Eddie, how are you and the family doing? Um, ironically enough, a lot of pretending to be to be dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are... Uh, we all obsessions are happening all at the same time. You know, oh, it's yeah. like what well, we need to be dinosaurs. We need to we need to make our magnetiles look like they're fighter jets and fly around and of course, you know. of course. And and we play two games with those. It's either enemies or Star Wars. Though he's never seen Star Wars. Uh, this is Lewis, <laughs> my oldest, and uh, but he says it's his favorite movie. Oh, really? He's never seen it, but it's his favorite. And (laughs) somebody asked us, what is the difference? If all we're doing is making little magnetile jets and flying them around the room, what's the difference between enemies and Star Wars? And the obvious answer is the music that we play while we play. Because we're that family. We don't just play. We have soundtracks to our play. Of course. Why would you not have soundtracks to your playtime? And uh, with that, we he's he's also he, he's not seen Jurassic Park or I don't think he's seen anything with dinosaurs. No, he's seen dinosaur. Um, but we we play dinosaurs. We love dinosaurs. He knows that daddy went to see a dinosaur movie. But that that's about it. Oh, oh, this summer uh, with this uh, summer, Jurassic Park gotcha. with Jurassic World. Um, so based off of that, we still, we have to play dinosaurs and all sorts of other fun stuff, but when, when are you going to introduce him to star Wars officially? Do you think? So I was like four, four and a half when my dad first introduced me to it. So the plan is this Christmas, my sister and her whole family is coming down. And so we're going to watch it. All of us together. Nice. We'll put the two two youngest to bed, and everybody's going to sit down and watch A New Hope for the first time together. And he knows this. Ooh. So every time now that we FaceTime with the cousins, he has to talk through how they're going to watch Star Wars together. Love and he has, que- he has questions about Star Wars. His most pressing Star Wars was, a Star Wars question was, do Star Wars people wear underwear? That is a very intentional question does he not want to wear underwear like i don't really know where where the story came from but um yeah so we posed it to uh his his cousins and they said yes of course star wars characters wear underwear the was he satisfied was he satisfied with that answer oh yeah if his cousins say it you know it's it's the truth (laughs) But enough about me and my crazy family. We uh, another uh, space themed movie dropped this past week on Disney Plus. Uh, shortly, I mean, how long has it been since Lightyear was in theaters? Was it June? I want to say it was like e- either yeah, beginning be- either beginning of July or um, and, and you know it was it was end of June. It was like the twenty sixth or twenty eighth or something like that. It's so, been about a month. You, been about a month since uh, I saw it in theaters, but you finally saw it now that it's on Disney Plus. So, have to, you rewatched it since it hit Disney Plus? I didn't rewatch it yet. I have. I went back and watched some of those like fifteen things you forgot, just not because I couldn't remember them, but just because I wanted to refresh my memory about the different things. Right. And it was a lot faster way to do that, uh, partially because uh, my the rest of my family were watching rescuers down under um so that was we just we just watched that this week eddie espn we got espn going here everybody everybody's watching the same stuff it's such a good movie and we even went back and watched rescuers because the kids wanted more 
Not as good. Definitely a 70s Disney movie. So it's just got its really slow moments. Um, and terrifying moments as well. Um, but not, uh, yeah, Rescuers Down Under, just so solid, so good. So we, we're not doing this in our normal spot where we would kind of review a movie. So I think I'd go ahead and do the IMDb description for this because it's a little more on par for the types of stuff. When it's a series, like a documentary series, like we're going to do for Light and Magic later on, that doesn't really work that well. But so let me get into that zone. Here's the IMDb description minus the um, Disney-ish soundtrack. We're just going to go for it. So the IMDb description for Lightyear is this. While spending years attempting to return home, marooned space ranger Buzz Lightyear encounters an army of ruthless robots commanded by Zerg who are attempting to steal his fuel source. That's pretty good. Eddie, did you see all of the Chris Evans attempting to try to explain what this movie was about and how it was connected to the universe (laughs) of Toy Story? Yeah, he just, he did not help this movie out at all. Um, I I don't know if I had mentioned this on here before, but like I was seeing, you know, him make the, the rounds on some of the late night shows and he's just struggling to pitch his own movie. And then just a few weeks later, you've got Steve Carell going out to pitch the new minions movie and he's just killing it. You know, like if you didn't want to go take your kids to go see minions before this, you see Steve Carell just nail it, just selling this movie on the the late nights. And you're like, this is, you see the comparison, you got to know what your movie is if you're going to go out and sell it. And he just never knew it. And I think that that's what plagued this movie uh, is that it um, nobody knew, nobody fully understood what it was. And it's funny because they could have just, I, I understand why they didn't say the opening line of this film because that's, it comes up on in, in the screen in 1995. Andy got a toy. That toy was based on a movie. This is that movie. Boom. It it tells you everything you need to know of the how it connects. The problem I have is that it this movie feels better as a standalone thing and not connected to the toys. And it's especially, and we've talked about this before, but um the the almost like the essence, there's obviously there's still the same character of Lightyear, and there's crossover not only in the look and feel, but like but there is a different tone between Tim the Toolman Taylor <laughs> and Captain America. Like there's just a different resonant tone between the way that they approach this character that 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 felt different. Do your so, thoughts. Yes, I'm right there with you. I think that is my first complaint against this movie is why the heck did you not just cast Tim Allen? That this it doesn't make sense to me whatsoever. I don't know what Chris Evans brings to the role or not what not having Tim Allen does to this movie to make it in any way better than if you would have just put Tim Allen in that role. I'm also scratching my head. Yeah, I think so much of what was hard about this movie. It was an enjoyable movie, but I found myself picking my phone up, kind of somewhat watching, not watching, um, which is rare for a Pixar movie for me. Um, Especially, I mean, a new, you know, I've never seen before Pixar movie. And that would, that I, I, I liked it. I liked the premise, even just the premise of like, here's the movie that that toy was based off of. That's a solid idea. That's like, oh, yeah. I mean, the second they announced it a couple, what, a year and a half ago or whatever that it was coming out, I was really excited for this. But I have no clue why Tim Allen is not Buzz Lightyear in this movie. It just, for me, is a big piece of why it just doesn't connect. It doesn't pull all together. The farther I kept it as its own film and saw it as its own thing devoid of, other than the trappings of some one-liners and the suit and the name... If I kept everything else aside from that, I actually enjoyed this film. And I thought some of the underpinnings of the the message of this film, of someone who's so focused on 
the mission and this unhealthy guilt of not performing well enough. Like I resonate with that hardcore. hardcore. I I resonate with that deeply and seeing him, I, I felt his desire of like, this is my fault. I need to do and sacrifice anything I can to fix it because it is my fault and I can't not think about it and to go over and over and over and over again. I resonated with that as the underpinning of the story. So I think I resonated with it more um, than a lot than some of the other people that have seen this film. Um, and the like I said, the more I thought of it, okay, this is its own standalone thing that is not but is its own thing completely i enjoyed it more but that was a that was a mental battle i had to do in that first third of this film well and it it can't stand on its own because it's constantly making reference back to things that are known there are the suit that is brought back in the third act there's zerg and specific moments of Zerg and Buzz from especially Toy Story 2. Um, it, it is trying at several beats to, re- to remind you that this oh, is hey. within... To- oh, hey, this don't forget. This is Toy Story. This is Toy Story. And, and I'm there with you. If I could just separate this out and let it be its own thing a little bit, it worked better for me. But they kept trying to pull me back. That you know, the movie itself kept trying to go. Oh, hey, we're about that movie that you fell in love with in 1995. To which I, I would agree with you. The journey of the character is fantastic. To make that your motivation of a character is so good. Especially spoiler alert: if you haven't seen already, this is your your spoiler alert. To find out that Zerg is old Buzz from the future. That really brought that together. I thought that was a really cool kind of plot twist. And are you okay with the fact that they're retconning Toy Story 2 where he says that he's his father? Where Zerg says he's his father. They're kind of retconning. Yeah, I mean, they kind of have that throwaway line in there where he's like, oh, are you my father? Well, kind of. I think he says something along those lines where it's like, okay, you're stretching this a bit. And I think that's where this movie starts to the motivation of the character is strong, but the plot of this movie is not strong at all for me. And all of the other characters, I don't care about any of these other characters whatsoever because it's uh, one. This movie is so exposition heavy. And that was one of the things that I was sitting there thinking, like one of the beauties of Pixar is that it works on so many different levels all at the same time that a four year old can sit next to a 30 year old and be able to have uh, two different but the same experience from from the same movie. I don't think a four year old could sit and really fully grasp this movie. No, it is so, so plot. It just like is plotting through the plot at so many different moments and they just have these huge expositional moments to try and push you forward and and with these time jumps and stuff the way they did them you don't have time to care about any of these other characters now i will say that uh his relationship with alicia hawthorne the first hawthorne in this film I definitely, I felt more of that than... Uh, but it's over quick. It's over within is, the first 20, 25 minutes. It is, but it is still shocking when he goes into her office and her office is empty. Sure. That was like, that was the most emotional moment in this film for me. I actually started to get a little teared up from it. From See, that, that's from what that I was going to ask you. Like, Pixar... I felt it. They, they pulled the it. tears. They, they pulled See, it. See, I, I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it there. I You cried at a movie that I didn't cry at? <laughs> I know what? it's a miracle. Next thing you know, you're gonna. I'm gonna say that I went to the zoo all by myself uh, <laughs> to be with the animals I, while no. listening to the Tarzan soundtrack. While, while listening to Tarzan, yes, that's that's all on my uh, Spotify right now. <laughs> no, I, I. It was so shocking and sudden. After I, I enjoyed the montage, and I thought it built into this character this deep sense of like when you get to him, you're like. He really is like he's he he's just living with his own guilt, and I I felt it. I don't know that the rest of the movie paid it off that well, off that well, but that that for me hit hard, and I was I was actually kind of getting tearing up a little bit at that her departure um, because of just you could tell their friendship, and you can see her 
having a, her own life apart from him. And she's like, okay, I guess we'll keep going for it, but you want to just stick around? We're not, we're not that, we're not all mad at you anymore. It's been a long time. Right. Right. I, I think this movie could have been a lot better. One, if you would have um, just cast Tim Allen, that yep. doesn't make any sense. Um, it, I think that would have brought the cohesiveness of this being the movie mm-hmm. from 1995 um, that my brain just constantly fought against. I, 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 I was fighting settle it too. into that. I was fighting I, it too. Yeah. And I think the second thing I would have done was I would have introduced Hawthorne, the granddaughter at that scene. Yeah. I I know we see her as a little girl in the hologram from from the death of Let us get to know her early, yeah. But I need to meet that the the Hawthorne that we found later right there in that moment somehow. Uh and I know that there was another time jump in there um but you you could have played around with that. I I needed to have that connection. I needed that emotional uh, transfer to happen at that moment. Um, and then the, you know, because she's with these other characters and they're kind of this motley crew, which has some funny moments. It's fun, but I I don't care. You know, it's just fine. Uh, because Taika Taika Waititi in there, I was like, Oh, that's Taika. But he didn't give anything like crazy special performance in this. There wasn't any, specific then, uh person that i really was like oh man this person's hilarious that they're endearing even izzy herself is okay she's not great i, I enjoyed the f- the fun of it in the sense of she uh it, is from this great heritage she should be this amazing pilot and she's afraid of flying enjoyed that little turn on it but none of without that it would have been fine even though i know the story is pulling on like he needs to be with his people and he needs to not try to do everything alone I don't know that these were the greatest <laughs> characters to surround him with. Yeah, I, I would have been more intriguing to me is if you could have um, without being, you know, a perfect replica, but give me more of a of a Woody style counterpart. Yeah. Give me an, uh, give me a nod to the Woody and Buzz oh, relationship. If if none of those characters kind of gave me that, it felt like they were more lost than he was. Yeah. You needed this other character to come in and to be that Woody. What they were doing. <laughs> right. Who, who understood who they were. I mean, that that's the thing about Woody. As much as Woody is insecure in his position, he was always secure in who he was. Yeah, he never... He's a toy. He brings joy to this little boy. He understood who he was. He was insecure of his position. Uh, I, I And I think that's the key here, is none of those characters offered... There was never that counter... I mean, the original Hawthorne gave that counterbalance to Buzz. Yeah. But we just didn't have enough of her. And, and then we you just lose didn't have it. enough of You her. lose out on you it because you, you don't get... She's kind of echoed throughout, but she's not the, the steady character that's like... That helps guide him to the place where he should where he should be. She's kind of there, but then... then yeah, you're right. She, she's out. Those montages just... Man, they were flying through time so stinking fast. So, uh, question, what did you think of the sandwich gag? Oh, I did like the sandwich gag, I think. I thought that was a funny gag. It didn't land with me as much as I, re- I as, as, as it hit. I'm like, this is funny. Why isn't this not landing? The jelly, with the me jelly more? and the peanut butter on the outside. Oh, yeah. Like all around. I was like, this is really funny. This is. But it, I think just because of. So much had piled up against it by that point. I didn't find it as funny as it was a, such a weird play. And I think that it was a moment that represented what the movie call, for me. What they call the, 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 the peanut butter fingers or the sticky <laughs> fingers or whatever. from eating Oh, it that I way. can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, jelly fingers? Jelly fingers. I think it was jelly fingers. I think fingers. it was jelly fingers. Yeah. Oh, Bill Hader was in this too. You talk about a Ooh. missed... Uh, that's that that goes to the level of the writing on this. If we have Taika and Bill Hader as side characters in this and they're they aren't we don't like 
aren't drawn who, in by that. Who is Bill Hader? Feathering Hampston. I don't even know that character. <laughs> exactly. What about uh, Ivan? What do you think about uh, Ivan, the uh, the, nav- the the cat? Or was Ivan the cat or was was that the... Uh, Socks. Socks is, Socks the, cat. is Sorry. the cat. Ivan's the navigation, which is navy backwards. I meant socks. I meant socks on this. Socks. Um, I thought it was a clever, a clever kind of gag. Um, a lot of science fiction kind of has that style of a of a robot or care or uh, kind of companion. Um, so it made sense. I, again, I just felt like there was a few there was a few moments where it just didn't didn't land for me. Some of the jokes or gags with it. There's some nods to Interstellar in here, some nods to Star Wars. Um, this yes. Is, it goes yes. harder into the uh, science fiction area instead of the um, Star Wars. There's more science fan- uh, space opera, which is fantasy. Uh, that was an interesting way to take it where they're like, okay, let's the whole time dilation and things like that. Um, that wasn't, that's always the choice of like, are we going to go more crazy? Interestingly, like, no, granted there's vine characters and stuff like that, but everything they're doing is, is based in some sort of a, of a realistic thing versus stars or star Wars, which is fantasy myth. Right. So I'm intrigued that that's the way they went um, versus going the, 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 the science, the science fantasy, not science fantasy, but space fantasy. Yeah, I um I, I would have wanted I wanted to see a little bit more on the planet. I thought that was a very intriguing. I thought that was a kind of a cool choice and design to kind of have the the different creatures and the vines. You know, h- how did the how did the people who stayed behind with Buzz uh, when while Buzz was out doing his missions, you know, what did they have to go through to kind of uh conquer the planet? It, it was a short movie too. I, I can't remember the exact runtime. It was but the I right remember, length. I left. I remember thinking we should be done now. Oh, yep, there we go. Now we're now we're finishing. Yeah, up. they they kept it tight. Um, but yeah, o- overall, I just it it was it was such an odd experience. I, I will say I lo- I loved the animation. I thought it was a beautiful movie. Um, I watched it on Disney Plus with the imax enhanced version um which was cool because the, apparently they animated several sequences in full imax ratio oh. so particularly any of the flight sequences bump out and cool. give you the full imax ratio um i like any format or version that plays with ratio that was so always one of my, that did that a lot. I was, that's what I was just about to say. That was like one of my favorite things about that movie was how much Ang Lee played with with ratios. Um, so yeah, that was really cool. Um, I think overall, I, I I would I would have fixed three things that seemed just so simple to me. Uh, it's like, man, did they rush this one out? But uh, I, I wouldn't have casted Chris Evans. That made no sense, and in many ways. I didn't, his performance was just flat. Um, and then I would have uh, cleaned up kind of the plot just a little bit. It was a little exposition heavy. And then make me care about those other characters a little bit more. Pull them in maybe a little bit sooner. So all in all, mixed reviews on this film. I don't know if we necessarily need to give it a gummy, gummy snack rating on it. Just to say, good try. Try again. Try harder next time. I don't know what the right. Okay, so let's just let's just take a moment here. We we've had a a brief moment to kind of talk about Phase Four of the MCU. Yep. Uh, I I Pixar is not broken into phases like this, but we've kind of had this run for a little bit here. Of Soul, we kind of have our differences here. Uh, It's not settled with me as well as the initial review. I've admitted that here on recording. Um, we had Onward. That was the beginning of 2020. Onward is good. I, I, we recently went back and rewatched it, and I definitely liked it more the second watch. We wa- we we rewatch it quite a bit. It's one of my wife's now favorite, one of her favorite films from Pixar. One of one of our favorites that we go back and watch a lot is Luca. 
Oh. We we really, really like Luca. Um, but I would say like turning red and Lightyear, both of these, I'm just kind of like No, not great. I don't know I'll be rushing back to watch these again anytime soon. None of them are other for us we were like onward, but none of these have been really home runs like we are used to for them. This is not this is not the top of the top of the cream of the crop for Pixar right now. I'm not sure what's going on. So what would have been the last Pixar movie that we would have been like, oof, Pixar? I mean, onward for sure, but before that, um, I kind of have to pull up their 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 movies of late to see. I mean, Coco for sure, but that's that's been several years now. Um, that came out in that's 2016 or 2017, I believe. Um, so it's it's been a little bit. Uh, I'm trying to get pick up. Uh, Look at their list so that I'm not um, just kind of pulling it out of my butt. But Toy Story 4, Incredibles 2, Coco, those were all ones that preceded uh, Onward. Did any of those hit home for you? Toy Story 4 and um, Incredibles 2. Toy Story 4 was good. was really good. Uh, Forky was oh, an amazing character. And so was Incredibles 2. I Yeah, I thought Incredibles 2 was fantastic. I'm just trying to think, uh, you know, one of the things that Pixar is known for is to weave a story that you just sit back and you, I mean, you just marvel at it. You just go, whoa, what an original, original story, original characters put together in a setting that are just fantastic. Like, I I don't know the last time that I really, and because those are all sequels, I don't know if I would consider... Um, consider those uh, originals. What do you know? What we have coming up for uh, Pixar, Eddie? No, I don't know what's next. I don't have they. I mean, we've got. I take that back. We've got Elementals. Yep. So that's in the Soul slash Inside Out kind of universe. Universe. I mean, yeah. So Coco, I would say, would have been the last one where I walked away just going. Holy cow, Pixar. Mm-hmm. I mean, incre- again, Incredibles 2, Toy Story 4, fantastic. Onward is a good movie, but I don't know if it rises to that level of just going, I was being blown away. It gave us the emotion in the feels with the father and everything like that. But I don't, again, I don't know that storytelling was where it really made its mark. It made its mark on like fun, road trip. It was a lot more lighthearted and a lot more tongue in cheek. So yeah, I'd agree with you on that. Luca, I really like. I don't know um if I would say that it's original, you know, if like groundbreaking. I, I like the simplicity of the story. Um yeah, we've we've gone back and rewatched it probably the most out of the the most recent five. Um but yeah, turning red and lightyear both are just ones that I've just been kind of like, mm, okay. So long, farewell, and so long to light year as well. <laughs> I think we're moving on. I think we're ready to. to I mean, I say all that else. to say I'm anticipating to see the next three films. We've I got mean, Elemental coming out in June, so that we've got a, a whole year to wait until we got another Pixar, and then there's a then the next one after that is scheduled for March 2024. So we we're only time. getting two Pixar films in the next like 20 months it's gonna be a long long sad time just like as we wait to go to our next time to disney world disney disneyland (laughs) it's gonna it's gonna be a while so let's talk about what we kind of prepped everybody for last week another series that dropped and we had been taking our time making sure we could watch all the episodes of this new series It's a little bit different because we're not doing a um, original series this is all docu-series on something that we love if you've listened to this show at all and what we're talking about is the series light and magic cue the disney sound effect so imdb for this you haven't already checked this out and you haven't already guessed what this is about goes like this 
showcasing the people of Industrial Light and Magic, a special effects division of Lucasfilm, this series takes us back in a time Takes us back in time as they create the effects for some of the biggest and most successful films of the last 45 years. Eddie, did you know where the name Industrial Light and Magic came from? Did you know that story before watching this? I don't think I knew this story. That they're like, we're in a large industrial room. We do a lot of things with lighting, and it's magic what we create. Jeff's kiss for that. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. There are so many moments in this docu-series where you hear how something that is now risen to the level of being iconic mm-hmm. and just huge, that when you hear the origin of how it came about, you're just, just awestruck on how simplistic the origin is, that it's both frustrating in one moment, like, no, that's stupid, it can't be that easy, and then on the other hand, you go, no, that's genius how simple and straightforward that is. That's, I felt like there was, there was moments like in every episode of this where I'm like, what? It happened that way? You mean uh, potato asteroids? Yes. <laughs> I, the, the potato asteroids, honestly, uh, the second that happened, I flashed back to... You and me filming the fairy tale book that we oh had made gosh. for the for the intro of like a senior video or whatever, and using fishing line to magically turn the pages. And nobody appreciated like, it. <laughs> and nobody appreciated it. We were all alone. We worked so hard on that. That was your ma- that was your magnum opus, Eddie. And no <laughs> no one in that class deserved. They didn't deserve it. My ag- Magnus Opus. We yeah. were we were in that together. I was we filming it, but that was your, that was your that was your brainchild to like have it open <laughs> and do all that. You were the idea guy. I was just the okay. How are we going to actually make this happen? I I remember that more of a of a partners in crime moment. But yes, I I, I don't know. I looked back at that and went, yeah, like if they put potatoes in as asteroids, we could have we could have passed our stuff on as so much more. So I want to say before we get started on on a lot more of this stuff that I just kind of like tried to go back and think of all of the because this really is the making of the making of story. It just happens to be about a company, not just like a, a movie, That's but a staying point. in staying yeah. in that staying in that world. So the anybody who was starting wanted to know about film and how movies are made. The first thing I would point them to is, of course, Lord of the Rings. That entire series of things that it just the breadth of filmmaking that he covers, that they cover in that is insane, especially for a kid growing up in Indiana. I had been making videos myself, but I didn't really know everything that was a part of the process. Watching that was like going to film school. And saved me so much. It could save me so much money because I didn't need to go to film school after watching that. Just kidding. Uh, but like that, just they cover every single department uh-huh. on this massive scale. That that's incre- It's going to stand alone. Like there's nothing going to touch that again, especially because nothing ever existed before that. Then you've got, but there's been two more recent ones, including this film. That have kind of, I, I kind of went from, hey, there's nothing going to touch Lord of the Rings. I don't, not that I don't care about the making of, because I think we've gotten Let good get- stuff with Mandalorian, but, oh, that's a whole, guess. that's a, that's a, that's a separate one, actually. I might, I might come back to Mandalorian. I'm going to guess, because Creativity Inc. seems maybe too easy, because we talk about it too much. Well, and that's a book, so, I, so it's, it's not quite it's the book. same thing. But I think you're going to say Into the Unknown, the docuseries about Frozen 2. I am, because it felt like Ed Catmull's book, Creativity Unknown, uh, Creativity Inc., lived out on camera for the first time. That's what startled me. I loved that docuseries. So what's interesting about it, where Lord of the Rings is the breadth of filmmaking into the unknown one is behind the curtain on animation that we hadn't fully ever received but and how awkward adina menzel is in person yes that'll always be a, a nugget that i will never forget i will never unsee her awkwardness um <laughs> talking to other human beings 
but it it was really how does an animated film make it out alive? There was a sense yeah. of like impending doom. This thing is not going to make it. We are not going to get to the end of this thing. We don't. I mean, and, and I'm sitting there going, I've watched the film. I know yeah. it's real. Are they going to make it? Yeah, but the story. Are, are they going to figure out this? Figure are they, yeah. Are they going to cut? Are they going to cut that song? That's like the iconic <laughs> song. That, They're going to cut that song. You're like in yeah. there watching them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Figure, watching creativity happen, we got to figure this thing out. All the song versions that didn't work, the screeners that didn't work, going in and getting bombarded with bad feedback from other producers and directors, it was incredible. It was one. It's it. it that's why I feel it's it's kind of up there for me. Um, yeah. Another one. I I it's it's on a lower tier. It's not as great, but like the Mandalorian, seeing those directors sit around in a round table. Was yeah. awesome, but we've kind of seen that. Like GQ and other magazines kind of do this, like actors talking to actors. So I've kind of seen that trope a little bit. But this was this was different. This felt like an a legend or origin story. But even yeah. more than that, is it was about the so heavily about the people, like the mm-hmm. human beings. They they told all these little small vignettes on each person, how they got started, how they got brought in. Um, each of the major people along the way. And I think that's what really stood out to me on this was just, this was a less about a company and more about a group of people, these like outsiders coming together. And I think that's what really endeared me to it um, versus a lot of other things. Just like, well, let me give you my my points and my, yeah, this is the story of a character doing this and this. Hey, we're on set here, blah, 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 blah. It's like you've got archival stuff that actually happened, which I think my wife even said, I don't think any movie they could do this about anymore now because they wouldn't give people this level of access to just film everything that's going on back scenes unless they've got a official credentialed person. So right. that's my setup for this of just like this thing does kind of has risen in that top three on like my my Mount Rushmore of behind the scenes uh, around film. Well, I would say this one more than any of the others has struck a chord in understanding working culture mm-hmm. and understanding how when you create a creative culture uh, and that is a fun creative culture, but yep. still at the end of the day, wanting to create, you've got to get stuff done. Um, the amazing things that you can accomplish. And I think that's what, I'll tell you, this was not what I thought it was going to be. Um, I was a big fan of the Imagineering story, which isn't about the people so much. It is about the projects. It's about how did the Haunted Mansion happen? How did Mm -hmm. this happen? You know, and kind of goes off from there. Then I saw the behind the Mac thing that you had sent me as soon as it came come out about Skywalker Sound, which is kind of connected uh, with with uh, uh, ILM. And so I thought, okay, this is maybe this docu-series is going to be a little bit more of a of a blend of those two things. I was taken uh, aback just how personal this was yep. and how even though these are real people, you know, you felt like this was a drama of characters. You got such intriguing personalities playing yep. out here and people being totally honest and forthcoming with the good, the bad, and the ugly of the things that had happened. Um, I think the moment for me in this whole docuseries that just hooked, like the the hook was already in, but it you, you just set the <laughs> hook in me, was the moment when they when they're transitioning over to the Empire Strikes Back. And George Lucas is hand selecting those who worked on the original to come back and really form ILM. This is, you know, the moment. And he doesn't choose John Dykstra. What a decision. Like what a, that's a a choice. Like that was a choice for, to not bring over the one dude that was like, like started this whole thing. Like you go to the page and it says, who are the founders of ILM? It's George Lucas and John Dykstra. And he doesn't bring him back. I don't think and we- then and, and the way that they speak so honestly and open about it, even John Dykstra, like that whole moment 
when you realize and, you know, George says it and then they cut over to John, you're like, oh, what is he going to say? And just the way that whole thing plays out, Hook was set. I I was just like, I got to I got to see how this whole thing weaves and comes together. Well, mine was set before that in the first episode <laughs> the can i just i know that I yes just waxed, do, do it. You I, take I just waxed eloquently about or not maybe not eloquently maybe it was just average but about uh behind the scenes stuff but man the foundation of the design for the millennium falcon and the fact that it was inspired by dirty dishes that were like on top of each other that looked kind of like a hamburger or they called it the pork burger for a while that's ingenious and so i first and also i apologize i didn't remember that joe johnston was the director joe johnston who has then gone on to do honey we shrunk the kids and all other kinds of things that's another great story we can get to in a second here but the that it came from dirty dishes and that the things like the uh the cockpit and uh the satellite the satellite dish I've already built. I've already built these two things. Please make sure that the design has those. Because the the satellite dish, especially, (laughs) is such a weird, random thing Uh that it's just like, why is this here? It literally is only there because they had made it and they they needed. They wanted to use it, and that they made a. And then they make the choice of like, okay, we have a cockpit now, which is the one of the most iconic parts of that thing. And so and it was a iconic. leftover piece that wasn't going to get used, and it could have it could have looked like anything else. This is in, incredible, incredible that that's how this I most iconic. I, I literally tattooed it on my Goose, body. Yes, yes, right here on my arm. <laughs> and this thing right here, I'm trying to get it up to the camera. I can't get it. It's I'm in a weird spot. It's on a weird part of my arm. That it was made by leftover pieces is so perfect. It's genius. To see the level of problem solving and and meeting pure happenstance is just I again that's why I keep going back to like the moment of you and I filming this silly book with with fishing line. Cause I look at it and I go, anybody could have done this. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing. Yes, I mean these guys are very intelligent, very smart, but they did it. And that's the difference is that they actually stepped up and they did it. Figured it out. You yeah. know, they fi- they put their heads literally together built and they their own figure. Literally yeah. built their own cameras. They're, they built invented, their own cameras. Out of s- they invented motion control. This is where that was invented. <laughs> this is insane. These are incredibly brilliant people. And these cameras, they pretty much made their own as well, mm-hmm. just taking scraps from old cameras that nobody wanted anymore. Like so many little things like that. The motion uh, uh, capture or uh, motion control cameras and how they did all of that is just fascinating. But yeah, I go back to that and I just go, yeah, this is just a, a testament to get up and do the work. Just do it. You don't have to be some special appointed person or have some incredible experience or education. You just got to get up and try. It's incredible to go through just like all of the technological innovations that they made in this. And really, it brought me a moment, especially by the end of this series, that last episode, and they're like kind of walking uh, George around the set. And he's like, this is what I envisioned 30 years ago and I said this is what we're going to need to do the things and he's finally getting to see someone else kind of live that out and, and then hearing the stories of all the things like they invented H or uh, the, 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 the projections that we all use now digital projection and bought projectors for most of the theaters to have to use to project it the way that he wanted to this that's, last- that's crazy Yes, this last episode um, had so many moments in that where you can just see George just pushing, pushing, pushing it forward, pushing it forward that um, I always knew, you know, I've always had a great appreciation for him and his genius. But he's also one of the fair, 
Tzu, who is a visionary, who is a, for lack of a better way of putting it, you know, a futurist, somebody who can envision what the future could be and works to make that happen. Um, And you just see so many moments like that where he's just pushing it forward, going to Sony saying, I need you to push forward the digital filmmaking. I, you know, I need, you know, going to Texas Instruments and pushing them to make these different elements. And, and what's interesting is those movies don't hold up story-wise compared no. to the originals at all. No. Um, and even you go back and you rewatch them and some of the, the, the technology behind it really shows itself. Um, especially in the first two uh, of Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. But now I have such a deeper appreciation for them, realizing how much they advanced the overall art form. George Lucas has been an ET target for most of his life. He has, there's a reason, because of that, someone went out and made a fan-made documentary called the people versus george lucas have you seen that and i've not seen it but i've heard of it yeah and i watched it and was like fully on board like yeah he did this and he did that but there's still an undercurrent of just like but it's all because we love what he originally made in the first place and i know it wasn't just him there's many people involved but this maybe even though there are major story things that i'm like why did you make that choice why did you do that with episodes one and two and a few things that in three or whatever in uh in 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 the sixth one but i it made me go like even for those shortcomings there like all if you just looked at his technological influence on what the rest of us are doing now it's it we all owe him such a debt of gratitude if not for this at least for pixar (laughs) like Pixar, the the that whole episode's about the the transformation into a, a digital world, culminating with the big win with Jurassic World, Jurassic Park, is like we we should just like be offering our thanks every day that we live in the world that we do now because of 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 that. I was specifically thinking of you in man, it was probably the third or fourth episode where he starts talking about digital editing. Yep. And Edit pushing droid. forward digital. Edit yeah. droid. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> he and, he J, and... JB doesn't have a career if this no. doesn't happen. <laughs> the I know that I don't believe he was the one that made... So Pixar, it was a one for one. They sure. built Pixar and it went on. There was a person inside of ILM that went on to make Photoshop, John Knoll. Like there's... Hold, hold on. No, that is... That's, that is such a moment where you're like, hold on, rewind, back up, back up, go back to that. I'm the whole time I'm waiting. I'm like, why are we getting into it? We're getting this guy's life story. He's just like a bit character so far. And then he's like, oh, by the way, I made this thing with my, my brother. brother and it's called Photoshop. I'm like, oh, my gosh, whatever. This is cr- <laughs> this is insane. What we're talking about. Oh, editing. But, you know, that it's. That edit droid and those attempts and those working with Paul Hirsch, who's now an iconic uh, editor um, with all his his credits to his name now, that that probably pushed other people to go, oh, I can do that, which then ended up have uh, coming out with the with the avid in the in media composer like that, you know, that it, it's due to him just pushing. And he's like, he's like, I'm fine being the scapegoat. One, I'm making so much money <laughs> being so that. Much money. But also, two, I I don't I don't care about anybody else's opinion right now. I'm going towards something else um, that I can see in the future. And y'all are going to come with me and you're going to love it. Um, but we just don't give him that credit because I, I think this will kind of in the same way that the Jordan documentary brought back. A little bit easier of like remember how amazing michael jordan was uh um this kind of feels like hey this is a and maybe the reason why george lucas was like sure i will be a part of this is because it kind of it didn't degrade him it uplifted what his original intent and and desire really was so uh did you catch who is the director of this series is ron howard 
I know his no. his group made it like it's underneath his banner. Yeah. yeah. Imagine he's the executive producer behind it with his Imagine group. No, Lawrence Kasdan directed this. Ah, is Lawrence that Lawrence Kasdan? The son or is it or is he the or no, 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 this is the writer. This is the writer of the original. Yeah, right? he's the writer, not of the original. George was alone on the original, uh, but of Empire Strikes Back, Return of the King he wrote Force Awakens with JJ. That was the only, um, yeah. And it's probably why uh, it's the best of the sequels. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to go there. I'm like, we beat up on a, oh, no, no, no. He's the guy who came in and him and Brian and, um, uh, uh, he, he came in and fixed solo a Star Wars. Made he it was better the, than it was. Yeah. They, they brought in him and brought that. He also is the co-writer of Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Bodyguard. Yeah, The Big Chill. Like, he's just got so many huge credits. So he was the one who who directed this. And I want to say it was his directorial. No, it's not his directorial debut. What am I saying? He, he's got a lot. But from a documentary series, this is his first documentary. So you've got a storyteller, a director coming in who already has a deep love and, a, and connection and appreciation, yep. but wasn't, you know, it's not Spielberg doing this or Brian. Uh, why do I keep messing up his name? Brian De Palma. Ro- Ron Howard. Ron I Howard. keep mixing Brian Grazer and Ron Howard together. Cause they uh, both Ron co- ha- Cause they both were imagine. Right. Um, so you've, it, it has just an interesting perspective all the way throughout it, where it is honest and reverential without being he, too heavy with that. And I don't know how ex- to, ex- to describe exploit. that. It's not exploiting anybody. It's not throwing people under the bus, although people do get left under the bus. <laughs> the biggest one that, I mean, we've already talked about John Dykstra. That's the biggest omission in that, not omission, but like kind of gets left behind in this thing. But I also just felt at first so bad for Phil Tippett when Jurassic World Park happens, this is going to be his biggest thing he's ever, like literally he's building the thing he's going to be known for for the rest of his life. And then these other guys come in and they're like, actually, we're going to make something better. And he's left with like, what do I do? And what I love is that they turned it and they were like, these animators aren't going to know how to make these things look realistic in the motion of it, of their mechanics. And you've lived this your entire life. So we're going to have you use the same thing that we just replaced to help you with electronics and stuff like that. You can do your same craft and it's going to help the animation come to life. And they had him a part of set. I thought that was a brilliant idea to keep him engaged in it, even though they had replaced him. It's like, we're going to move you into the board. We're going to move you into the next level of managing, but we don't need you to put your hands on everything, but we still need your help to make this animation work well. And that, I, I think that is, you saw moments like that throughout all of this of appreciating the culture that, and the people behind creating these moments. It's not just about churning out a product at the end. It is very much about the collaborative effort of people and are are you collaborating mm-hmm. um, to be able to accomplish these really great things? And I think there was enough there that you know he gets pulled along. Um, we and, and I appreciate how much they they provided ways for people to make a move from the model shop over to computer to the computer department. Yeah, I love you that, know, that, that that little love that story. Cool. The little love story yeah, in, yeah, the, in, yeah. in the shop. But then, oh yeah, that episode was great because you you also see Dennis Murin who is so heavily part of the camera side of things. And he could have just said, I'm going to stay here and just continue to evolve this, even though we're going towards digital cameras and we're starting going towards digital creation of things. And he's like, you know what? There's some cool stuff going on over in the computer department. Let me just start learning it. And let me start diving into it. That's That was so inspiring to go like, I'm going to learn a new craft. I appreciate So you brought up Dennis Murin. There are so many moments in this where I lost. Uh, this is this is crazy to say, but maybe lost a little bit of my uh, Spielberg lost a little bit of his luster because I'm sitting here going some of these shots, some of these things that we think are like, 
Spielberg at his finest is really Dennis Murad pulling oh, him off. Funny. You know, like the E.T. stuff, you're going, wait a second. Some of these iconic shots of E.T. that we now we use as an adjective, you know, an Amblin-esque series or movie or whatever, that feel, so much of that can be attributed to Dennis Muren in the way that he pulled off some of those uh, those visual effects in that movie. One of the random stories, some just random highlights from this thing. I just want to say uh, the animator lady, Ellen Poon, <laughs> who left her husband for ILM, should get the biggest, uh, the most dedicated employee of the Millennium Award for leaving her husband because she wanted to work at ILM and he didn't want to move from England to America. <laughs> That just like floored me. I was just dying watching like, watching that. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, there, yeah. I, I, and I think that was what was really cool about this whole series is that you see the there was this beautifully, and I, I give Lauren Lawrence Kasdan uh, huge kudos to the way that he structured this, and ultimately the the crescendo was the final interview with Phil um, and he's talking about his daughter being sad because she thinks she's too old to play with her toys and he tells this beautiful story of them getting out of camera and going if you're making a movie out of it you can do it forever that was such a beautiful little like to end on that story I it was emotional because you realize the story that he's telling is twofold. Anybody can get out and do this, right? Just it, it's magic. You're just manipulating light in, in the industry to make that happen. But also you're seeing the culture of ILM of always investing in the next generation and yep. bringing up the next generation. Um, and you, the second he ended on that story, I could just, oh, and feel all those threads back to all these little different moments where you realize, oh, wow, that, and and you see that even in George investing in the next generation, the next film, to see what he did for Joe Johnston. Just Yes, can we we talk about this for a second? This is one of my favorite stories in here. The Joe Johnston is a key part of this entire thing, and he says the phrase, I just can't draw another storyboard again. I have to move on. I've got to do something else. And his, his his plan is to completely just take time off and go travel the world. And so as he's having this emotional moment with George uh, Lucas, and he just like, see, the way he tells it is amazing. He's like, he just sits there, doesn't say much. And then he goes, why don't you go to, why don't you go to film school? Why don't you just do that? He's like, well, I could. He's like, he's like, if you want to go to USC, I will pay you. I will pay your tuition and he kept him at half salary during this entire thing. And that and he said that his USC film school got him Honey, I Shrunk the Kid, plus he uh George like vouched for him and said, This guy is amazing. And then he goes on to eventually make Captain America. This is crazy. This is crazy that that's the the origin for 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 that. No, I think Joe Johnston is one of, if not the most underrated directors in the last 30 years. Um because even, yeah, you look at something like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids or The Rocketeer, that in and of itself is pushing forward special effects and the types of stories that can be told. Um, but that, yeah, that's just such a beautiful moment where you see uh, ILM and the, you know, George, because he's the one influencing the culture with it, of investing in the next generation and always, you know, bringing people along, but pushing towards the future, uh, seeing what is possible, but invest in the people that are around you to make that possible. The only downside I had to this series, um, uh, I would say, is it felt like everything was really well paced until the end. It kind of felt like it was on a escalator, like a people like, OK, we got to we got to really sc- quick like 
hit this up. It almost felt like a giant montage, even though it wasn't fully just montage. Uh, it, well, we they, jumped. They still, we jumped. A we lot. jumped from Jurassic Park. We jumped from Jurassic Park to the present really fast. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of time spent on that in between when a lot of things happened, a lot of tech, a lot of changes, a lot of stories. If I, it's not that I didn't want it. Like it, it may have still felt weird, but it's almost like they 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 spent a weird amount of time there where it was more than it should have been or less than it should have been. Well, you, you had almost three episodes just on the original Star Wars trilogy. And the founding of and, and the founding of the of, of right. the place too, and the move and then, stuff like that. Then you had the latter three episodes that focused in on, you know, okay. Then here's all the crazy advancements we made. I would agree. I agree with you completely. This could have used a seventh episode. I wanted. Or, or I wanted just, just or a just, little bit or, more. Or not. Or not even going that. Like end with Jurassic Park. End with the 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 next the next no you needed no you needed that scene at the end of of John Favreau taking George Lucas through the volume but see this is what they could have done they could have like not talked about any of that other the other things in in the end and just going like twenty years later. And then it's just John Favreau and him walking around the set. Don't don't give me any of the other in in between things. Just like just give me that and end on that. I could see that being a good end. But it was they almost gave too That's much. That's quite poetic. I they, like that because they gave a little bit of like oh, and then we have this, and we have something a little bit over here, and oh, we're gonna give you a little bit of a taste of the Mandalorian and things over here, and that it was like. I don't know how long the sequence was, but I felt like it was that it was an awkward teenage. It was an awkward, like 13 year old kid in that middle of like, we didn't really get enough to know what was going on, but we gave too much. Like it, it, it was too much. It was either too much or too little. I think I, I think that it would have been great to go in Jurassic and Jurassic park. And then just 20 years later, look what happened now. But that's, that's me rewriting somebody else's masterpiece. <laughs> I, I, there, I think the, uh, yeah, your idea of kind of like a prologue, uh, not a prologue, but um, what is that called? We have it at the end of Harry Potter. Epilogue, an epilogue. Um, that, that's very poetic. That, that could be really beautiful. Um, overall, I just loved this series so much and every moment of it, I wanted more. So that's why I'd probably land a little bit more of like, yeah, just give me a seventh episode. Come on. You, ha- <laughs> you, you had the material. You had the material. Come on. But that goes back to it. Maybe they didn't. Maybe there wasn't an, uh, Maybe not. A, a bunch of this stuff because all of this looked like I can't believe they were every someone was filming during this stuff, during all of these behind sure. the scenes things. Sure. Somebody just happened to be capturing this. I know some of it is like literally you just keep the camera rolling while they're while they're but they also got incredible interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, a lot of firsthand uh, experiences of those who worked at ILM. But also, I loved all the interviews with James Cameron, with mm. Ron Howard, with Spielberg. Like, this is fantastic. Um, I loved hearing even their perspective of coming in, working on something and getting to know ILM in that way. And that they invented things, especially in the computer side for like T2, where they were like, we don't know how to do this, but we're just going to go figure it out. And I think after eight months, we'll probably figure it out for ourselves. That's insane to have that kind of like nowadays, at least at least in the world I live in, it's like, show me you can do it and show me that this is possible then we then we will invest in it then we will make that thing happen versus being like no this should be a thing in the world and i think if we put the right people around it it's gonna happen i wish more people would take those risks but then again it's not my money (laughs) it's somebody else's (laughs) money normally and that's what is incredible you know george this is him investing all of his money into this and making all of these things happen. This is a lot of money. It's a ton of money. And you know what's funny? 
You know how George made most of his money off of Star Wars? Merchandise. Merchandise. Toys. The toy, toys. The toy maker. The toy maker, George Lucas. First thing I think everybody, of. Everybody thought he was nuts for putting, of, of making that a huge part of his contract um, and not taking as many points off the movie. Um, but it, in the end, he made so much more. And now we get shows that are purely designed for the toys. So yeah. that'll make a good toy versus something else. Right. Right. Um, yeah, this was, this was fantastic. I, uh, I haven't started rewatching it yet, but it was one that I got to the very end and was like, I really want to rewatch this right away. And then usually Sarah makes fun of me. She's like, you just finished that. Why are you watching that again? <laughs> Never, that never happens to us, Eddie. Why are you turning the no. West Wing back on? You've already watched this. <laughs> don't. She knows better. So we we don't we don't question. We don't, the we, West don't, Wing we, don't we don't question no. the West Wing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and with that, I believe we would say your life has forever been changed by another episode of Honey. We made a Disney podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your other favorite podcasts. And while you're there. You know what? Please leave us a five-star review. It really helps us. Or you know what? Share it with a best friend or two or three or your entire social network. We don't care, but share it with somebody <laughs> that you cherish. You can also check us out at honeywemade.com. Yes, we have a website. You can see our full movie list, which we will get back to in next week's episode as we go through all the Disney movies from 1988 to 2005 better known as our childhood including on next week where we will will review recess schools out so excited for this study but thank you for listening and remember you believe in something there's nothing worse than not trying